Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. And welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 184 of Linux in the Hamshack. I'm your host, Russ K5TUX, and with me tonight is Bill NE4RD. Good evening, everyone. And we also have Cheryl, who sits across from me. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Including this time, apparently. Yeah, apparently. All right, so we have a show to do, so I guess we should well, go ahead and do it. Yay! <laughs> Yay. Just an hour late starting yet again. Well, people wouldn't know that if you didn't say it. <laughs> well, so, I know it. Yeah, so. we, all, we all know it. <laughs> we have a few folks listening live in the chat room, and you all should listen live in the chat room, because then you hear all the stuff that gets cut out of the release version, and believe you me, there is a lot of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so For sure. Yeah, if you want to hear all the really good stuff, get the unedited feed. Come listen to us live. Participate. Be a part of the program. We'd love to have you. We've got some topics in our amateur radio segment for the evening, and I guess we'll let uh, Bill take the first one. How about it, Bill? Sure. 32,552 licenses granted in 2016. Last year, 2016, was an outstanding year for amateur radio licensing. So says the uh, AWRL Volunteer Examiner Coordinator, uh, Manager, sorry, <laughs> Maria Soma, AB1FM. Uh, we're up to 740,000 licensed amateurs in the United States. And uh, I had put a note in here to talk a little bit about the infographic because this came up as a little bit of a item of chatter that there was a, a slight dip back in uh, 2006 where we had... Uh, kind of peaked out at about 690,000 licenses in 2003. And then we dipped down to 2,656,000 uh, in 2006 and seven. And of course now we're way higher, but uh, I was kind of like looking at the timeline of that. And that really kind of lined up with those original no co-tech licenses back in the uh, mid nineties. That would be all of those expiring for those that didn't uh, continue on because if you remember, we still had the code requirement for general and uh, higher. That was the only license that was currently a no-code license. There wasn't any reference to any other adjustments that might have been made, any rule changes or something that might have gotten rid of a lot of old licenses, or you think it's just the expiry of the no-code the no text? That, that, I mean, that's what I'm thinking, because to have that large a chunk, I mean, if you look at the timeline of it, you know, it, it, it pretty much steadily grows. And that's what you would kind of consider because, you know, license lasts for 10 years and uh, then you renew it. And yeah. originally the no-code tech didn't have access to uh, those HF privileges that the technician class does now because they had a no-code tech and a tech plus. And I saw this misquoted somewhere <laughs> where they said, oh, the tech plus has been around forever. And it's like, no, not really. The tech plus was a no-code tech that had passed a code that actually made you a new class of Tech Plus, and that gave you those privileges for those CW areas that the new technicians these days currently have. And I believe that started in, what, 2008, 07, or 08. 
I got my general pretty much immediately and then didn't get any higher than that either because I didn't want to put the time in to learn the code. <laughs> or, I mean, I knew the code, but I was not nearly fast enough to. Yeah, it was kind of hard to get over that hump from 13 to 20. At 13, you can still sort of listen to the dits and dahs and put down letters. At, beyond that point, you actually have to put them into word. If you don't hear the entire structure of a word at that point, you're never going to get any faster. February 23rd, 2007. There you go. So, Cheryl, you want to read this next one? It's a pretty easy one. Sure. Okay. Let's hear. The Aries Annual Report has been released with uh, 76% of sections reporting. Aries membership surges nearly 10,000, going from 17,756 members at the end of 2015 to 27,754 members at the end of 2016. They provided a calculated value of $7,947,225 in services and 33,136 events, amassing a total of 418,275 service hours. 418,275 service hours. Non-reporting sections include Alaska, Illinois, New Mexico, Oregon. What is it? Orange. Orange County. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Puerto Rico. Santa Barbara. Santa, okay. <laughs> it's, it's all, it's the damn California. It, yeah. <laughs> South Carolina, South Dakota. San Diego, Diego County. San, yeah, okay, gotcha. San Francisco. San Francisco <laughs> Utah, Virginia, Vermont. West, um, Western Massachusetts, Western Pennsylvania, and Wyoming. Gotcha. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, those are the sections that are reported when you're doing field day. Gotcha. Um, so is Orange the only one that's actually a county based on the name of the county? uh or a section based on the county yeah is it is it the only one that's a section based on the county uh maybe but i thought orange was larger than just orange county it probably is but it's the only one that it's the only one that i can remember where it's not something like a two or three letter thing i mean it's it's org but when when you hear it you know uh it's not a western massachusetts or a north texas or anything like that it's orange and when people are contesting in field day You'll hear that. They'll be like, yeah, know, they'll just say orange. Yeah. 10 a yeah. orange, 10 a orange. And you're like, but orange. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause you got what San Joaquin Valley, uh, Santa Clara Valley. Yeah. It was kind of, I just remember a couple of field days ago when I first heard that it's like orange. What the hell is orange? <laughs> <laughs> well, I always try to do that. Uh, California QSO party. I, you hear that a lot. <laughs> it's actually referred to as the orange section, not orange County. Okay. Well, right, because oh, okay. it's not just Orange County. So. Right. But it's uh, apparently a significant portion of L.A. and surrounding areas. So, Well, there's also an LAX or an L.A. It's, it's an LAX county. Or something. Well, I guess Orange is like Anaheim and uh, surrounding vicinities. Right? Yeah. 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 April Fool's. Isn't it a little early, Bill? April That's Fool's me. for AM. <laughs> Ever wonder what that AM button on your uh, on your transceiver is for? Well, if you don't know about the full carrier amplitude modulation AM or have never used it on the air, you'll get a chance during the AM rally on April 1st through the 3rd on the HF bands between 160 and 10 meters. And, of course, none of those work bands. There'll be a contest using AM. And I think this is the only one I can think of <laughs> that uses AM. There might be more. Don't quote me on that. But, uh, yeah, so it uh, looks like uh, they want to spark a lot of AM activity. And uh, I know I don't, I don't think I've used AM on this particular rig here. So, uh, yeah, it's an opportunity to use AM 
on a contest, and uh, I haven't checked out the details of the contest yet. They have their own website, AM Rally. Uh, it's linked in the show notes, amrally.com. And uh, yeah, check it out and uh, yeah, try out a new mode if you haven't tried it out yet. I have not used AM on anything except uh, Citizens Band, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the last time I used any AM. These are aircraft radio, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. I've listened to AM. <laughs> well, this actually sounds kind of fun. If a lot of people get in there, it'd be kind of nice because I have never actually, like I said, other than CB days, um, used AM uh, as an amateur. Yep, April 1st to the 3rd. I don't have any idea what's going on that weekend. Oh, we're free. Okay, yay. So maybe, <laughs> maybe now, I'm not saying next week will be free. But... <laughs> yeah, well, right. Something might Well, see, now you should up. pencil it in the calendar. So, yeah, you should. Yeah, uh, I should. don't use it. I'll remember to do that, maybe. Yeah, I there should you... screenshot our calendar and send a picture of it to Bill. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> Especially the one for, like, September. Okay. <laughs> yeah, last September when yeah. we weren't home. <laughs> so, stop eating. They saw the picture of the smorgasbord, so they know we're, we're having dinner. Oh, you took a picture of that? Yeah. Oh, so you've got the candy in there, too. Yeah, I got the candy in there, too, and the, and the drinks, the out, the adult beverages. I, I got see. everything. All right, so moving on, I threw this in because it sounded interesting to me, and it might be interesting to other folks out there. Eris opens proposals for space station crew contacts. So from now until April 15th, Amateur Radio on the International Space Station is seeking proposals from schools and formal or informal educational institutions and organizations to host amateur radio contacts next year with ISS crew members. Uh, The window, like I said, is until the 15th of April. And if anybody didn't know this, tax day final day this year is April 18th, not the 15th. To maximize these radio contact opportunities, ARIS seeks proposals from schools and organizations that can draw large numbers of participants and integrate the contact into a well-developed education plan. Because of the nature of human spaceflight and the complexity of scheduling activities on board the ISS, organizations must demonstrate flexibility to accommodate changes in contact dates and times. And to help organizations prepare proposals, ARIS offers one-hour online informational sessions designed to provide more information regarding U.S. ARIS contacts and the proposal process, as well as provide an avenue for interested organizations to ask questions. Attending an online information session is not required, but is strongly encouraged. Contact ARIS for more information. And ARIS's email address is ariss at alfaromeoindiasierrasierra.org if you want more information about that. And a link the ARRL story and its complete form will be in the show notes. So if you want your little kitties to talk to this, the astronauts up on the space station, you can uh, submit a proposal by the 15th of April this year. And they say it's, uh, it, it's of course, on uh, FM, and depending on the uh, uplink and downlink, it could be on uh, two meters or whatever. And QSOs generally last about 10 minutes or so as the ISS passes over. So get those proposals in, talk to the astronauts. All right, woot. so, was that a woot? Woot, 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 woot. <laughs> All right, so moving on from amateur radio topics, we've got some open source topics. Let's talk about R. Yeah, CRAN now has 10,000 R packages. CRAN is the global repository of open source packages that extend the capabilities of R. Re- reached a milestone today, and they are now, they are, sorry, <laughs> there are now more than 10,000 R packages available for download. I've been looking at R. I just haven't done anything with it. 
you know, I, I know it comes with the SQL Server now. Uh, 2016, you can install R directly into the database. And I primarily use Python for most of my uh, analytics stuff. So I don't use it yet. But uh, it's, it looks interesting. It's uh, definitely a big project. We've also included uh, in the show notes a link to this article and also to the R project if you're not familiar with it. Definitely growing. I think CPAN is well over 10,000 for Perl. (laughs) But it's been around forever. I wish I had time to learn all these new languages or wish I had some reason to use a statistical reporting language, which I really don't. So So what are you going to use it for? Well, Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) You never know. (laughs) <laughs> Some more information to cram in the old noggin, basically, right? Yeah, you know, I, I like I like Python for doing most of the stuff. You know, I guess it's it, if you know R is faster and it's easier to use, that'd be something. But I, I I'm not sure. I'm sold completely on changing from Python to R, but we'll see. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure that R doesn't have quite the wide adoption that Python does. But <laughs> yeah, well, Python does everything else too, so that's the nice part about it, right? All right, so let's talk about branding and open source. I'll let you talk about branding and open source because I didn't get a chance to read this one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> branding and open source. This article, sorry, uh, this article over on opensource.com discusses six iconic open source brands. Branding is an integral part of marketing. When it's done right and makes an impact, a simple logo like a Nike swoosh becomes a powerful advertisement in in, in of itself. Just drive down any interstate in America and you'll see symbols that tell you about a brand. And, and in this, in this article kind of goes over the importance of the, you know, branding and the ones that of course are on the list, Linux, Mozilla, Firefox, GIMP, PostgreSQL, and uh, VLC. You know, I think at least I, I know every one of those icons kind of by heart because I've seen them a million times. Um, think about some of the projects that you really can't think of a logo for. You know, Twitter's got its little bird. Linux has got Tux. Mozilla's got the Earth, right? <gasps> no. Well, Mozilla has, well, Firefox is, yeah. Firefox is the Earth with a fox, with a fox around it. Right. And everything's yeah. sort of based on that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Gimp is a little dude. <laughs> Gimp, Gimp is a little fox. I, I think of it as a fox. I'm not sure why. It kind of looks like a fox, but I don't think that was... That was the icon. It's, it's a that little gray fox. Gray something, thing. yeah, yeah little little critter of some sort. It's Wilbur. That's that's its name. <laughs> Wilbur. Wilbur. <laughs> That'll totally mess you up. Of course, the <laughs> elephant for Postgres and the the traffic cone for VLC. Yeah, which I never actually understood the traffic cone. I guess what we're saying is it doesn't really matter what the brand is as long as it's you know memorable. So well, it's an important part of your project, and I think that's that's primarily an open source, especially you know you get a project out there and you want to share it. You know, think about things like branding and uh, things that will drive the image of your open source project uh, a bit a bit beyond you know maybe your GitHub repository. Look at your start menu in Linux and just kind of look around at some of the the icons and. Look at the unmemorable ones. (laughs) (laughs) There are many that are just kind of like, it's an afterthought. So anyway, you know, it's it's definitely something to think about. You know, we talked uh, last time about success in open source projects. You know, this is all part of, you know, driving your open source project to success. Right. Absolutely. So, Ted, you need to work on your branding. (laughs) All the the TW apps, TWCW, TWPSK, all that. they, They need some new icons. And I'm thinking something with a baseball bat. Ted's giving me a Roger, Roger, Roger in the in the chat room. So. 
So moving on, privacy-focused OS Tails 3.0 is dropping 32-bit support, uh, as more than one OS based on Linux has done in the past. And to quote, it's no surprise that over the last years, the number of people who use Tails on a 32-bit computer has dropped. Most 32-bit computers are at least 10 years old, and one after the other, their hardware stops working. As a result, in the beginning of 2016, only 4% of Tails users are still using a 32-bit computer. Of course, some of these computers will keep working for a while, but once that number had fallen this low, the benefits of switching tails to 64-bit only outweigh the reasons we had to keep supporting 32-bit computers, says the Tails team. There you go. One more distribution drops 32-bit support, and as Bill has indicated in here as a side note, Arch is also dropping 32-bit support. Yeah, there's lots of them that don't have 32-bit support at all anymore. It's just I was trying to think of the ones that just recently said that they're finally going to just not produce a 32-bit ISO, and I believe Arch was one of the more recent ones. Yeah, and I think we've mentioned Solus, a couple of Solus, of course, doesn't do 32-bit. Yeah. And there's a lot of applications that are only being developed in 64-bit versions, too, as they go forward, just um, because 32-bit is finally going by the way. I think they'll the still way. have the 32-bit libraries, because there's still a lot of stuff that relies on that, but right. it does not have to be set up on a 32-bit kernel. All right. Chrome browser. Chrome browser, yeah. What's that? What's that? Um, well, it's not open source. It's not open source, but I think it might be symptomatic of a larger problem. That's that's why it's in here. Ah, so it's in here, and there's no information on it because I'm just going to tell a little story, and it has to do with my using Cheryl's old computer in here in my office uh, with a single monitor and keyboard. So I use Synergy, so I can actually control both computers simultaneously. 99.9% of the time, that works really well. But there is a problem that I have come across. In my case, specifically to do with the Chrome browser, but it may be symptomatic of a problem that affects other applications. I don't know for sure about that. But what happens is there is a bug in the free version of Synergy because apparently after a certain rev, and I can't remember what that rev is, they have gone to uh, a pay model don't know if it has become closed source. I don't think that's the case. But if you want the latest version, you have to pay for it. So if you want to use the free version, the free open source version, you are limited to a certain rev. And there is a bug in that rev that causes Chrome, at least, to not properly grab the cursor. So if you hover over things in Chrome, like... uh, you know, something that's referenced to JavaScript or a link that has a title or something like that. Anything that's supposed to respond to a hover doesn't work. This is pretty frustrating if you're trying to use something like WordPress because there's a lot of stuff in there that you need to uh, access. For example, drop-down menus or sub-menus or, or parts of the site um, by hovering. So there's a simple workaround which is to go into the Chrome preferences and disable hardware acceleration. I didn't notice any performance degradation on my machine by doing that. So some people might, I didn't. And if you dig around on the internet far enough, you'll also find a patch. So you can download the source version for the latest freely available version of Synergy, and there's like a two or three line patch that also fixes the problem. So if you're the source code kind of, person you can uh, download the source package patch it build it 
and you won't have the problem. You won't, won't have to disable hardware rendering in Chrome. Anyway, just wanted to let people know that that's out there. It fixed my problem just by disabling hardware rendering, and now I'm all happy again. Uh, it did not seem to affect any other applications, like Firefox was unaffected. Pretty much, uh, you know, the other stuff that I do it didn't have an issue, but I, I do use Chrome, so it was bad for me. <laughs> we have a new call sign in the chat room. <laughs> Must call attention to it. <laughs> uh, Victor Echo 5 Uniform Oscar. So we have a new Canadian ham in the chat room. Very nice. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> Howdy. Whoever thou might be. <laughs> and Steve Katie Zero IGP says he believes the later versions of Synergy are available as source anyway from GitHub, and you only have to pay for pre-built packages. So I'll take his word for that. I just, when I went and looked for, for downloading the newer versions, all I saw was paid versions. So if, if it's available on GitHub, great. I'll just go ahead and get that myself and uh, turn on hardware rendering again. Moving on to Linux in the ham shack, which is, I guess, why we're all here, right? So, Bill, tell us about all the distributions you've used this week. (laughs) This week, I have gone from at least three. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had Solus. This is actually, I guess this is like three weeks ago, really. I had Solus, and... I had an update, and all of a sudden, it wouldn't get past the uh, GDM. It basically uh, went up to 100% CPU utilization and never got me to my login window. So I'm not sure what broke. But since I normally keep the uh, entire home directory R-synced, I said, hey, this is a good time to switch OSs. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I decided I'd uh, play around with elementary some more. So I, I added here in the uh, in the show notes, uh, basically my setup to kind of go from elementary, you know, the long term support build to adding, you know, you know, you're building stuff, your build essential software properties common, which gets you the ability to add PPAs, the two PPA repos that I normally add when I'm using uh, Debian, not Debian, I guess it will Ubuntu, WSJTX next. PPA and of course OK2CQR's OK, PPA for the latest greatest CQR log. I also installed the uh, Ham Radio Pure Blend meta packages and everything went great. I was using it and I can't remember why I wanted to change it again. <laughs> <laughs> but I ran into some quirkiness with something and I'm like, oh, let me try something else. And I mistakenly installed TrueOS, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I I forgot how terrible that looked, and uh, so I had TrueOS on here for about an hour, and then I decided, well, I I heard you mentioning Leap the other uh, the other day, and I'm like, uh, I'm gonna put Tumbleweed on here. So currently, right now, I have Tumbleweed running on my laptop, and that's what I'm using right now. So this is the rolling distribution for. Susie, open Susie. And it seems to be running great. And we've already given this a, a Linux readiness, a readiness score. And uh, I think the only thing I ran into right now, which we'll talk about a little bit later, is with trusted QSL. That was my uh, fun experimenting. I still like uh, Ubuntu because it's so quick and easy to get everything up and running, especially when you add just a, just a couple of PPAs. And, of course, they don't like you doing that, but uh, why would they not have it there, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, you know, two PPAs. I think that's a pretty, uh, pretty small compromise. 
the nice part about using OK2 CQR's PPA is that it, it also uh, it also forces MariaDB over uh, MySQL. So that that's a, a better change too. And of course, everything worked fine. So package support for Ham Radio software in SUSE pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah. There's actually a, a separate repo for it. Uh, you can add it to your repo list. Uh, you know, using Yas2. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I have WSJTX the latest version. I have uh, OKCQ or CQR log the latest version, and just about everything else. Some of the things I'm going to talk about here in a little bit with Morse code learning tools. Some of those are not there, but you don't need them all. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, you can have everything available to you or, yeah, I mean, you can have stuff that works. I think, you know, this would definitely give you an adequate, uh, adequate shack. I like the performance better. I know what the thing was with elementary. I was recording something with OBS and I just could not fix the lag between the USB microphone and the web camera. Yeah, I remember you saying something about that, and you were using the RTK too, right? You and even yeah, the, yeah. So I got even the real time kernel and everything else installed on it, and I just could not get it to go away. It was just so far off, and I started messing around the software, and I said, you know, screw this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not locked in. I have you know pretty much. I have my hex chat in my dot config directory is pretty much the only thing I really care about on the machine. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I don't have to like remember all my passwords and everything else. I just copy that over lock, stock and barrel and click the old hex chat and I'm up and running. And uh, yeah, so, and I tried it on here, but of course now OBS won't record. <laughs> so I have to figure out what's going on with that, but I, I do like the performance of everything else. I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. I got uh, all my other stuff installed got VirtualBox running uh, so I can play around with some stuff. I haven't put Docker on here yet, uh, but I plan on doing that pretty soon. And I'm, I'm getting used to, uh, what is this called? K, uh, what's the KDE thing called? Why can't I remember that? Uh, KDE, right? Yeah, it's KDE. Sorry. It's fine. I haven't switched it yet to something else to play with. But I'm pretty happy with the performance. Everything else, like especially with Skype 4.3, like when you click the menu line, the menu items, the actual dialog box that pops down from the menu appears like two inches below where it should. <laughs> so there's stuff that was always broken that surprisingly in this version works great. You know, like I'm sitting here running Skype 4.3 and all the menu looks right. All the fonts look right. So they're definitely doing something fine here on the, re- on the, on the uh, rolling release build. And you're still, you're, are you running leap on one of your machines? I installed leap on a virtual box, but I have oh, not okay. actually done any playing with it. We had a comment on Twitter that someone was using that in their shack, and they really, really liked it. And so I wanted to explore Leap a little bit further, but which I plan to do and hopefully get uh, a report in and maybe a readiness score for next episode. I'm, I'm going to keep running this for a while until it breaks. I mean, obviously, with the rolling release, you always run into those breaking issues <laughs> well, <laughs> occasionally. That's true. That's true. They can happen, for sure. If, you know, again, you know, I'm not terribly concerned (laughs) if nothing else this is not a critical machine for me this is my toy machine so it's it's allowed to be broken every once in a while and i don't really i actually i I look forward to it actually not booting (laughs) so so i can move on to the next release you know or something else something different you know i'm 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 all for trying that stuff out and trying to figure it out and trying to get you know the stuff that i like using working so uh it's fun 
Yeah, it sounds like a little bit of fun. I wish I had enough time and enough machines to just kind of say, well, oh, this one didn't boot up today. Time for a new OS. Let's go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the longest part is actually just installing it because, I mean, once it's installed, I just copy over the home directory and I'm done. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's pretty much but, what we did. So, I mean, if you could do that with Windows, just think about how easy that would be. You'd be like, ah, screw this install. It's broken. You know, it's not booting right. <laughs> just throw my home directory on there. I mean, there is like user management where you can do that and. But unfortunately, if you don't already have a good, clean, recent backup, sometimes you can't do that in Windows. The nice part about Linux, at least you can mount it and uh, take everything off in a known working condition. All right. So <laughs> following up on the last episode, we talked a little bit about some Morse code, or at least Morse code decoders. But now Decoder, we're going to yeah. talk about some some tutors, some learning tools for Morse code. And there's a, a, there's dozens and dozens of them out there for every operating system under the sun, but we're going to talk about some Linux ones. So you, you poked around with a few. Yeah, I played around with these and, uh, you know, cause I had elementary on here for, you know, at least a day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there are some ones that come and at, you know, in the, in the ham radio, uh, pure blend, uh, meta packages there, Morse code learning tools. Uh, CW is, uh, one of the first ones. It basically is a, uh, console-based application you basically type cw press enter and all of a sudden you you're you're given this wonderful glorious new line black screen uh <laughs> you start typing and it starts to create cw for everything you type so it's kind of a more learning the alphabet and play as you go cwcp i'm drawing a blank on but there's two versions there's a console version and an x version and I'm just going to run it real quick here so I can see what it does. Okay, so this one is uh, the Linux Morse, uh, Morse code tutor. And this is going to give you letter groups, number groups, alpha groups, English words, all kinds of different training groups. And they have two versions, like I said, a console mode and everything else. You can adjust the speed. So this will be giving you a playback of, of stuff that you can practice copying by writing down or, you know, maybe just do it in your head. If you want to get to that 20 word per minute plus mark, you're, you're, you'd want to be able to copy in your head. So uh, try not to do the writing thing. Um, that, that's fine for the really slow speed, but it's going to trip you up when you start learning faster speeds. So that's CWCP and XCWCP is exactly the same thing, except for it's actually an X. QRQ was pretty cool. Have you used QRQ before? Probably not, right? I think I tested it once. It's been a while, though. Yeah, yeah. QRQ is uh, kind of like a contest sort of or call sign simulator. So you put your call sign in and press enter, and it's a console application again, and it starts sending you a series of 50 call signs, and you have to type in each one. Now, it waits to play the next one until you've entered something in the first one. So this is so you don't have to you don't have to write it down. You just type in the call sign as you're hearing it, and as you improve with those fifty call sign, uh, it speeds it up by two words a minute, and then it goes again. And then every time you know, every time you do better, it's going to get a little bit faster. So it's the nice part is it's using call signs, and it has a database of twenty six thousand three hundred ninety five call signs. So you will not get bored copying call signs, and that's a great way to learn because uh, a lot of people that don't do rag chewing on CW do contests and in contests call signs are what you need to learn. And the more you hear call signs, the more you hear, you know, where the number placement is, especially when you're talking about 
European countries that start with numbers, right? You know, like nine alpha, one alpha, and uh, all other ones that have like two numbers together. <laughs> you know, it's definitely different than listening to U.S. call signs. And it's, it's good to kind of practice listening to it, especially if you're not familiar with working any DX and stuff like that. So QRQ is a, is a pretty good program. Another program that is on there is ebook to CW. And basically, this will translate a series of text into CW. So let's say you want to do, oh, I don't know, read uh, you know, Pride and Prejudice uh, via CW. You could load in the text and it would play Pride and Prejudice in CW for you and you can enjoy it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, good luck with that one. Yeah, for, anyway. for some definition of enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> for, for some definition of enjoyment. I wouldn't do a technical manual with graphs and stuff like that <laughs> because uh, I don't think that's going to translate very well. <laughs> but I have heard people put like, uh, you know, newspaper articles and stuff like that. You know, I'm almost certain there's plugins too that will read your screen and do it in CW as well. Um, but they're not included in this particular review of uh, Morse code learning tools. And we're just looking at just primarily Linux ones that are installed via these pure blend packages. Um, if you know of more, you know, send us a note and, and we'll get it uh, next one. All right. We should mention that QRQ uh, was developed by DJ1YFK. That's Fabian, who also did YFK test and YFK log. I remember once somebody had a plugin for something. I think it might have been Arisi, actually that translated your typing into the dot dash text of Morse code in IRC. So you could actually IRC in Morse code if you wanted to. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> if you wanted to do such a crazy thing, I suppose. And I believe it would decode as well. If somebody actually typed like, you know, dot it, dot it in IRC, it would actually translate it back into actual characters. I believe just recently they, on uh What's that show with the guy and the gal? Uh, Hack Five. Uh-huh. They uh, they did the, they did a CW thing where uh, it basically uses audio coupling. So they had the laptops going. You know they have, they have the table set there, and uh, they would type on one side, and it would play the CW, and the other side would decode and stuff like that. So uh, there are there are some other tools. I can't remember which one that one that they used. Uh, I'll have to I'll have to Google that later. But they there was a, a Hack Five episode where they used uh, used uh, Morse code on their Linux box. All right, very cool. And there's there are tons of other CW training programs out there. Um, there's a bunch for Android. There's a bunch for iPhone. A bunch for Windows. A bunch for Mac OS. I mean, you, if you want to learn Morse code, there's a million ways to do it. So it's really easy to jump in. I guess we're going to go back to elementary for a second, so you can talk about trusted QSL. Yeah, this is actually on the latest. Oh no, this is SUSE. Yeah, SUSE. This is, this is Ubuntu. Oh, this was Ubuntu. Yeah, this was actually, a, I ran into something very similar to this. It's sort of the same thing, but not really. <laughs> Some users, uh, including myself, mine on Tumbleweed, have run into issue with the latest uh, TQSL uh, bombing. So this is trusted QSL bombing on install or update uh, because of its missing the WX widgets library, the 2.8 version. Uh, I saw that KC2DU ran into this problem and blogged about a fix, which include adding a PPA to his LTS uh, Ubuntu installation. I believe he had uh, uh, 1604.2, the latest release. Somehow this is broken. Um, you need to have 2.8 installed. So my issue in Tumbleweed is that I only have 3.02 installed of the WX widgets, and I need to get 2.8 on there. Otherwise, TQSL will not start. 
So that means you cannot, you know, do anything with your logbook and you, you're, you're kind of SOL. If you use logbook of the world, of course, you know, if you don't, you know, if you're into paper logging and paper QSL cards and everything else, then meet me at Dayton and I'll give you a bunch of mine. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting that this is broken on an LTS install. Just remember, we mentioned it. You may run into a problem and you'll want to get that 2.8 version of uh, the WX widgets library. All right, good to know. And Ted found the thing about IRC. It's called CWIRC, but it was developed a long time ago, and it's probably uh, no longer supported. It was a plug-in for XChat. Oh, Ted mentions his program, TWCW, in the chat room, which has a practice mode where it will send five-letter groups, assuming that you can adjust the speed on this, Ted. No command found. Hey, on Andy's Linux, there's no TWCW. What's up with that? Ted says you can adjust the speed and the mode. So it can be standard mode, I guess, or Farnsworth method. All of that stuff uh, that Ted writes is real lightweight. It'll run on your super old computers. Basically, if it's a 386, I bet it'll run on it. It's not in the repo. It's not in the repo. Source only. In which re- oh, you're on, you're on SUSE, though. No, no, I'm running Andy's on uh, VM right now. Oh, it's not just so a, I have it. It's running in a you know virtual box, and that's based on like, Ubuntu. It's not. It's yeah. not in the repo. No, Ted. I thought you said all of your software was in the repos. What is up with that? Yeah, what's the deal with? <laughs> yeah, what's the deal with that? <laughs> How can they put a software not in the repo? <laughs> yeah, we both suck at Jerry Seinfeld. That's okay. Ted says no. We never said that. <laughs> That's <A> disclaimer. Okay. <laughs> Not all yep. software is created equal. W a zero e i r dot b c t s dot info because I host Ted's website, so he has that, and that's where you can get all of his software. All right, let's move on to the music. We've got a song for you now. It goes about two minutes and forty-five seconds. It's a song called Burger. And it's by a group called Under the Film. I got this one off of Gemendo in the folk category under new releases. Uh, the album it came from is called Meeting. And this group, if it is a group, I couldn't really find any information out about them or him or her or whoever it is. But uh, they're out of France. Not sure where in France, because like I said, I couldn't find any information about them. But this song is up on Gemendo. A link to it, of course, will be in the show notes. It was released on February 8th of this year so just a very short time ago uh, and there's quite a few tracks up there by under the film there's two albums in fact burger by under the film
So that, again, was Burger by Under the Film from earlier this month. So I didn't get to hear it. I only heard the bits and parts of it that I chose to play it based on. It was so pretty good. It sounded pretty good. It was a little bluesy. Very harmonic-y. Yeah. Well, we should probably move on. Let's. We got a couple of announcements to talk about. There's no feedback, of course, because we haven't recorded in a while because, you know, I went under the surgeon's knife and I haven't really felt like doing much. So, but we're back at it again. Finally. You feel better? I feel better. Yeah. Yay. That was the uh, expected outcome. So <laughs> I'm glad well, it went it, that it, way. It could have been worse. Yes, it could have. So anyway, a couple of announcements. The first is the Oars Ham Fest, which is the Ozarks area Radio Society Ham Fest is coming up on March 25th of this year. This is in Mount Vernon, Missouri, which is where we are from. It's right up the street here uh, where this is going to be. It's in a new venue as of this year. Uh, no, last year was... No, it was this year. This year is the first year in the new venue. So where Where's it at now? It's at the Mark. Maybe we were at the Mark last year. Were we at the Mark last year? Yeah, and it's okay. at the Mark for... Right. Oh, the year no, before that was over in Aurora. It was over in Aurora, school. right. So last year was the first year. This year is the second year at the mark. Um, but this is the first year when I'll be doing a talk. So, Ooh. yeah. So I'll be doing a talk on Linux in the Ham Shack at the... Oh, I figured it'd be on Scotch. Well, it might be. I might have to throw some of that in there. <laughs> yeah, let's not, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll just set up and we can record an episode as uh, as the session. Or record, oh, the, record the sessions. Episode. Yeah, they have Wi-Fi. So, Sweet. and I still have the password in my phone. <laughs> uh, yeah, if they haven't changed it since last year. No, but. I know the mayor. <laughs> Takes yeah. me two seconds to get that password. Right. So. So anyway, if you want to see me do a talk, like a real live talk, and you happen to be, I don't know, within, if I guess if you're within two thousand miles of Mount Vernon, Missouri, you're pretty much in the U.S. or at least the continental U.S. So you could make it. So there's absolutely no reason why Bill can't come. That's right. Easy peasy. <laughs> yeah, let me uh, let me check my calendar. <laughs> That'd be funny. It's like their attendance will jump by 4,000 and they'll be like, what the? <laughs> <laughs> it's like last year we had 65 people. This year we had 4,000. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be fun. But anyway... Um, March 25th. Yeah, you can Skype me in. I'll join your session. That'd be great. All right. That, that would <laughs> be, be kind of cool. cool. Yeah. Maybe I'll see if I can work that up. So uh, 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. March 25th. Check it out if you happen to be anywhere near the area. I'd love to say hi. And uh, you can sit and listen to me talk more about stuff. So And Bill, too. Of course. <laughs> you're going to talk about Bill? Or you're going to... No, well, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said you can listen to me talk about stuff and Bill, so clarification well yeah okay good. sorry i bet and bill can talk about stuff too i, oh, didn't mean gotcha. I was gonna talk about bill so yeah um all right so moving on hamvention 2016 perks are sitting next to me i do have them all and i just have to get them out again surgery not feeling like doing stuff but they'll be going out soon so there you go yeah people i know people have been irritated I know because, people no, no, no no but they have to understand that you were basically in the hospital or the emergency room at least once or twice a month between for the, for the last six months for the last six months because they had no clue what was going on with you right so but that's fixed now well, we'll let's hopefully hope. yeah. Yeah. so so far so good so. two two weeks in so far yep you say you're better so, so far much so, better yep yay 
All right, so so that's happening, and then as soon as I get those out, I'll be starting up the fundraiser for the 2017 Hamvention, because that's coming up really, really fast, so I'm going to have to get out there and start doing that. Uh, so look for that, and I'll be sending it out to the mailing list for those people who are on the mailing list, and of course I'll post the information on the website, and it will be at Indiegogo again. So all of that will be the same, just look for Linux and the Hamshack over at Indiegogo. I'm hoping to have that up and uh, everybody's stuff shipped out i would i hope by the end of the week but if not it'll be early next week so uh, I, I'm, I'm gonna give it a shot we'll see what happens we've got tons of crap i, I know we, we always so. have stuff to do but <laughs> <laughs> all right with that we'll move on and hope hope to see everybody at hamvention by the way so it's gonna be a lot of fun this year we'll have bill with us so it'll be great did you miss the conversation on facebook earlier um yes okay well i <laughs> bill commented about your new car and said "Ooh, road trip oh no i saw that yeah but we're and, not bringing the new car so no, no right did you see our friends in sandusky or yeah they said down? wanted, wanted yeah. to come yep yeah okay so sandusky we should go up to the we cedar should go point. up to sandusky yeah, yeah. Go up to cedar point. <laughs> screw that <laughs> screw the ham fest come meet us at cedar point everyone yeah <laughs> We'll be on the, uh, whatever, the Magnum uh, 2000 XL or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Our, our booth setup is going to be a sign that says, we're in Sandusky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Riding right. roller coasters. We'll see you later, people. Right. <laughs> Moving on. Cheryl's Recipe Corner. Let's, let's do it. Or something. Yeah. Okay. So I have a little, you know, story here to, to go along, as I always do. We live in the Midwest. We've never been to the quote-unquote Big Easy experience mardi gras but we do like cajun cuisine for those in the know you know that the king cake is the big thing during mardi gras and everyone hopes to find the little baby that's baked inside the cake because um, the person who gets the baby is supposed to have a year of good luck uh, in episode number 162 which was about this time of last year i included the recipe for a baking corn mock choux, which is another louisiana dish that is quite tasty for those that have never had a king cake, it's very much like a coffee cake. Uh, and some recipes you can find online include cream cheese filling instead of just a cinnamon sugar filling, which is what I've included. If you'd like to put the baby in your cake, you can buy a small plastic baby from your local craft supply store and cut a small slit into the bottom of your already baked cake. And Do not cook the baby. Well, you, you can cook the baby, but uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm always a little concerned about the baby afterwards yeah (laughs) so shove that baby up inside that cake so and that way no one knows where the baby is when you start cutting into the cake so i don't think russ had experienced king cake until he moved here nope but it's very very good yep i think he enjoys a slice of it even though he's not big on sweets it's like a it's like a cinnamon roll on crack they're awesome kind of (laughs) yeah got that sugar and the you know the sugar and the syrup yeah, you know, the confectioner sugar glaze and all kinds of stuff. But anyway, <clears throat> it is a yeast cake. So you need some yeast, some water, some sugar, some butter, some milk, some egg yolks, salt, lemon peel, nutmeg, flour, cinnamon, and egg. And then for the glaze, you need some confectioner sugar, lemon juice, water, and green, purple, and yellow sugar. Because it has to be the the basis of the king cake is the royal colors and each color is supposed to represent the three wise men that came to visit Jesus during the Epiphany or whatever. So, whatever that, I, I believe that is correct. I haven't looked it up in a while. So, anyway, but it's it's fairly easy to make if you're 
if you're cool with tackling, you know, a yeast bread, which is not that hard, unless you're in a hurry, like I was last year at Thanksgiving and completely fouled up the rolls, but that's <laughs> a completely different story for another day. <laughs> King K colors are purple for justice, green for faith, and gold for power. Uh, I got the, well, yeah, I got the baby. You always get the baby. Yeah, I always get the baby. I've not got the baby yet. All right, next time I'll make sure you. I'll put a dozen babies in it. That way, <laughs> well, that's, you get a baby. Every so. slice gets a baby. <laughs> Everybody gets good luck. There you go. Cut the cake, arms eat a baby. sticking out of the top. <laughs> <laughs> don't eat the baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bite Let's le bon temps poulet. Yes. Let the good times roll. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I have a scotch here in front of me, which I have not touched yet. This is the Kilcomen 100% Isla, because they don't do age statements for at Kilcomen. They just name their scotches. Right. So, which, which is, is better supposed than 99% Isla, I guess. Yeah, I so. guess. And you can tell by the name that it's an Isla scotch. Um, but the reason they call this particular one 100% Isla is because the barley is grown, malted, distilled, matured, and bottled at Kilcomen in Isla. I have not had any of this yet. So I'm looking at it. It's actually, it's a non-chill filtered scotch. It's a lighter color than yeah, a lot of scotch. Yeah, it's very, very It's very pale. pale. And it's supposed to be, according to the description, one of their lighter peated scotches. It has plenty of peat on the nose, that's for sure. So if it's one of their lighter peated scotches, I'm sure I'd really love some of their heavily peated scotches. It definitely has the brine, vanilla, little lemon, and the peat, of course. Definitely got that good smoky aroma. So let's taste it. Wow, that's really nice. Very, it's almost saltier than, than Laphroaig. You get the brine and a little citrus and some vanilla. It doesn't seem too terribly complex, though. There's not a lot of subtlety in there. There's no, I don't get any herbal or anything. Mostly just light citrus, brine, and peat. But it's actually quite tasty. There's a little bit of the oak. One thing about this one is it's uh, pretty stout, but it's very, I hate to use the word smooth because smooth is very overused when you're talking about alcohol. But this particular Kilcoman is bottled at 100 proof, so it's it's up there in the in the alcohol content. But you really don't notice it. It's it's actually very good. So that was a good choice, and we got it on sale. If you can still find it, which you probably can't, because this one was on clearance. <laughs> yeah, after Christmas. Yeah, so. but if you happen to get a hold of it, it's very good. And I want to say it was about 60. It's like right at 60, 62, something like that for this particular bottle, but. Yeah, not too bad. I'll have some more. Okay, I noticed that stuff is happening in the chat room. Jonas says he got Lagavulin at Costco for 49 bucks. So, Jonas, do they have any more of that at your Costco? Because it's the Lagavulin 16. <laughs> it costs 103 here. You've been buying it in New Hampshire and bringing it home in your Right, suitcase, but even though. in New Hampshire, it costs 70 Maybe I need to send some money to Jonas so he can buy a couple <laughs> bottles of it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Jonas was asking what the scotch was that I was drinking. It's the Kilcoman 100% Isla. I think it's the fourth edition. Gold label, blue stripe on the bottom. It's in a it's in a yellowish box with a blue stripe on the box. The Mashir Bay, the blue box one, is going to be the more heavily peated one, which I'm sure is going to be really fantastic. But I can't speak to it personally because I've never tried it. Anyway, we can stop talking about scotch and uh yeah move on to our social media roundup all right all right all right right. 
So, <laughs> subscription. Yeah, that's, that's what I need. I need a whip crack so he can... Uh, oh, yeah. Lord. <laughs> Whatever. All right. Social media roundup, subscriptions. Jonas Rulo, Jeremy Hall, Michael Conley, Scott Pettigrew, Bob Yerke, Paul Griffith, Ronald Ike, Johnny Kinsey, Brian Smith, Robert Halliday, Michael Aiello, John Clark, Edward Donnelly, Donald Gover, Alan Wilson, Stephen Sainer, Dylan Engel, James Blocker, Darren King, Bill Stearns, Bill Piotr, Robert Pitts, John Fotchke, Doug Redder, and Christopher Weaver. For Facebook this week, and if I again butcher your name, I'm from Missouri, Brian Dixon, Adrian Changalombo, Spammy Wheaton, Michael Hens, Petro uh, Chicarchio? I'm guessing. I don't know. Probably Pedro Chicarchio. Probably. Rodrigo de Arajo. Uh, there you go. Uh, Charles uh, Frischknecht, I'm guessing. Kel Nelson, Jesse Stanley, and Christopher Jackson. On Twitter, we have R820T2, N3VEM, K777P, uh, Wanna Break 80, CQ underscore contest, Ubuntu, wow, Ubuntu 101ZA, uh, GMS Howard, W5YM underscore ARCUA. You want to help me figure this one out? <laughs> uh, riff Stakeder underscore 333. There you go. No, we'll go with that. KK4TSS. Oh, no, it's it's Rifat Sikter. It's like Rifat Sikter. The uh, underscore 333. Three, three. Yeah, you yeah. know who you are. Yeah, you know who you are. Yeah, we'll just go with that. KK4TSS, KD8MST, Quirky QRP, uh, Roy underscore Charles, Hamza Gunner, N1DN, N3EML, um, Han underscore Aleta, uh, uh, yeah. Cthulhu. Yeah, that's it. Or Cthulhu. Right. In the chat room. Yeah. yeah, he's in the chat room. I don't think he's he's awake. <laughs> right. Yeah, Cthulhu underscore 201. Run, right. Daniel underscore Sal. Jeff USZCZ. Lakersoft. N1YKH. Ken M. Thalmy. Shrikant underscore zero one zero zero three, And we Tesseract. Google Plus was Martin Weinecke. Nobody on YouTube. Nobody on the mailing list. And nobody for merchandise sales. All right, we managed to get through it. Yay. Yay. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. Let's check There's out the chat room. Call signs from IRC. What's that? I said, I noticed a few of those call signs from IRC. Yeah. So, we look at the chat room. We have a few more folks in here tonight, some of which are sleeping, but we have uh, Boog, Brain, Cthulhu 201, which we already mentioned. C.T. Jacobs, who is Christian Jacobs, who is always in the chat room, but never awake when we're broadcasting, because it's much, much too late for him, because uh, he's over in the U.K. Or too early. Or too early, right. Uh, Jay Lindsay, Jay Rulo, which is Jonas Rulo, one of our subscribers. Thank you, Jonas. Uh, KB2YSI, who's not awake. Steve is, KD0IJP. Uh, PE4KH, which is Koos, uh, Vandenhoot. But he's not awake either because he's over in uh, the Netherlands. Simbola, Tony, who just says he's awake. Wow, Tony. <laughs> who who I, I don't think has ever said anything uh, like ever when we when we broadcast. 
but I've see, seen them announce a few times that they're starting to record the uh, the the Sunday morning Sunday Linux morning Linux show. review. Right, that's Tony from <laughs> yeah. Sunday morning Linux review. Three folks who get up insanely early on Sundays to record a podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, they have no clue what sleep is really like. Obviously, yeah. I think I've only been up once to to catch it live. So <laughs> I have never caught it live and don't ever plan to. Well, you could catch it before you go to bed, probably. I suppose if I stayed up all night Saturday and listened to it before I went to bed, I could do that. It's not yeah, like we've not done that. Right. We also have Toolman. We have Victor Echo 5 Uniform Oscar, who is in the chat room listening. And we have Ted, WA0EIR. And that's that's everybody. So a grid list. That, I think, brings us to the end of the program. Program. The, the program. Pro- Remember last time we had to throw program. in extra syllables. Why? Um, did I sleep through that or something? I think you did. We were talking about <laughs> containerization, which has six syllables, and then Bill, Bill was making up words that had more syllables. And yeah, anyway, it's a thing. Dockerization. Right. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Let's get on out of here. I'll uh, push the outro button, and that means there should be some music. Oh, look. There it is. Yeah, way, it's way, way, way down in the background here. I can bring it up a little. There we go. So you can become an LHS ambassador. Visit the website for upcoming events and information on how you can represent Linux in the Ham Shack in a nearby LinuxCon or HamFest. And we love feedback. You can email us at info at lhspodcast.info, comment on an episode on the website, post on Google+, Facebook, Twitter, or leave us a voicemail at one nine zero nine lhs show That's one nine zero nine five four seven seven four six nine. You can visit our IRC channel. There's usually somebody to hang out and chat with 24 hours a day, or, you know, many hours a day anyway. That's at Octothorpe LHS Podcast on the Freenode Network, and you can also subscribe to our mailing list. Show merchandise from coffee mugs to t-shirts and all kinds of other stuff can be purchased at www.cafepress.com stroke LHS Podcast. You can also help out the show by clicking on the sponsored ads in the right-hand column of the homepage. Either of those things will send a little money our way and help keep the show going. Listen live every other Monday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. That's Tuesday at 0100 Zulu in the summertime and 0200 Zulu in the winter. I think that's right. If it's not, it's the other way around. Our recording schedule and countdown timer to the next episode are on the website. Please check out http colon stroke stroke lhspodcast.info for everything you ever wanted to know about the show. Thank you to all of our listeners, live and quasi-live, past, present, and future. We appreciate each and every one of you. And thanks for tuning in to this episode. This has been episode 184 of Linux in the Ham Shack. And uh, we hope everybody is enjoying their uh, first couple of months of 2017. And we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. So for me, Russ, K5TUX, and for Cheryl. Thanks, everyone. And Bill. 73, everyone. We'll catch you in a couple of weeks' time. Take care. Bye-bye.
You don't have to be mentally deficient to do this job, but it sure helps.